Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Thousand Steps podcast. We are your hosts, Ely Taylor and Adrian Torres. One thing that's going on in my life I've told you about is that I'm being booted out of my apartment because rather than moving back to my house, my mom and I are going to be switching places. So I'm still going to be living pretty much on my own, except I'm going to have a roommate. My mom's going to be living where I'm living right now. And the reason why is ridiculous, and it's making my school year a little bit harder, is that the roommate that I'm living with is now a part of QAnon, which for those of you who haven't heard Ely, do you want to describe it exactly uh, the depths of the madness? For those who don't, you want to explain it? Right. So QAnon is a pretty basic, I suppose, conspiracy theory that has gotten a lot and a lot of really pretty widespread attention. First starting out on places like 4chan, kind of moving from message board to message board as it kind of got shut down. It is pretty much a theory that originated with the Pizzagate scandal in which, you know, Hillary Clinton was supposedly running a childhood sex ring in the basement of a pizza parlor. And the article I read about this guy just decided one day, you know what? I'm going to bust those kids out of there and grab three guns and crossed multiple state lines and barged into this pizza place with guns, forced himself into the basement only to find out pretty much just electrical material. Except, no, 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 it wasn't even a basement. That's the kicker. There's no basement in that project. No downstairs. Just a regular closet, you know, just being storage and electrical equipment. And then going forward, that kind of in and of itself drew a lot more attention to it. Um, and then starting on 4chan, there is this user known as Q, who is anonymous. And that's kind of where the, the original conspiracy theory gets its name, QAnon, from Q Anonymous. Do you know what Q means? Uh, not directly. I don't know what the Q stands for. Q is a reference to the top level of security at like Los Alamos. That's the highest level of security clearance you can have. So Q is this guy who's claiming to have be a, a high level official with Q clearance who, you know, is just like, I'm sick and tired of this. I'm going to spread the truth. And that's where it began on, you know, and they decided to do it on Fortnite. Yeah, so apparently Q is working top of some super hidden corner of the government. His post on Fortnite originally are all kind of vague and use cryptic, shadowy language, you know, a lot of foretelling and imagery to describe at first the mass arrest of world leaders, specifically like Hillary Clinton and other people in that ring for pedophilia. And this was supposed to kind of be the unmantling of the top. That is kind of what this theory is. And it's that there's this top elite ring who are not only kind of controlling our lives, but also enforcing pedophilia. And our hero, Donald J. Trump, is here to destroy the elite, which is beyond, beyond, beyond backwards. It is just it is so interesting that people really, I don't know, believe in this because in some sense, I'm going to give the theory credit. There are kernels of truth in it, you know? It's, it's, one of these, it's one of these things that if you say enough crazy stuff, people will like pick and choose, you know, maybe some of this is true, maybe all of this is true. Either way, you know, in my situation, my, my mother is so absolutely disgusted by this that she just like, I can't live there anymore. You know, she's like, I'm gone, I'm out of here. So we're switching places. 
and I'm going to be living there with, you know, my crazy roommate, which it's not the worst deal, but at the same time, it's definitely going to be interesting. Such an interesting theory because I think that the theory itself really roots itself in there is this ultra powerful ring of elites at the top of society controlling everything. I think that's kind of the most basic fact there, which is in honestly at some level to some extent, I agree with. I believe that there are a large group of people making decisions, you know, it's not necessarily this super shadowy cabal or whatever, but there are people who are very powerful making a lot of really important decisions for just life in the US. But I think the added layer of the pedophilia ring, Trump is this kind of outside businessman who is aware of the inner workings and is trying to take it all down. Um, I think that's kind of right. a really interesting angle there because, I mean, we've all seen the photos of him and Epstein and, you know, Clinton and Epstein and Trump and Clinton all together. You know, like these guys are all buddies. And that's the funniest thing to me about this is how it can kind of take something that's a little bit true and have it really spun out. Yeah, but to be clear, we don't know what's true. We know that there's, it's not looking good for a lot of high high members of society. But I think that more, even more interesting than what the actual truth is, right? Capital T truth, the like objective reality of it, which is right. something that we don't really know. More interesting is kind of like the way that this has gained so much popularity. Exactly. I don't know if you've ever heard of McCarthyism. McCarthyism is back when people were super afraid of communists, they were just like, I'm sure that you've heard of this. They would round people up and accuse them of communism with like no evidence. And people would go to jail for it because people were afraid of communists. So, you know, the whole, the act of McCarthyism is just saying, accusing people of so much stuff that maybe some of it might be true. And it's the same practice here, right? You know, your average citizen, like the, that's why QAnon so insidious, right? Because the statistics are that like there's between one and three million people who are in QAnon. They're just like fully in it. You know, oh, the Democrats are just Satan worshiping pedophiles, all of them, you know. But if you really think about it, there's probably a much, much larger base of people that are like, well, maybe not all of QAnon, but certainly some of it. Right. right. And even like even what we were just talking about you giving it like a certain level of validity when in fact, we don't really know the truth of it all. There's a such thing as coincidence, which I'm not going to give Clinton any freeway, but like, I, I think that certainly we can't talk without any evidence at all. Exactly. And I think it's really interesting with a theory like this, that's on such a small message board. I mean, 4chan is kind of infamous. I've never been on 4chan or anything. I never will be, hopefully, because it, that's just the reputation it has, right? And before going into this podcast, you know, I was doing my research, and we've got publications like The Economist, The Atlantic, The New York Times writing about QAnon right now. And it's, it gets to the point where you're like, how did something so small and so niche was blown up to become something so big? This guy who I think we can pretty reasonably assume to not actually have like Q level <laughs> clearance, yeah. um, got this many people to believe in. And it's gotten to a point, I think we also can't really examine this entirely without kind of taking into context what is going on right now with truth and the news and Donald Trump's own um, effects on both of those facts. Yeah. I mean, and something to, to think about is that 
Q clearance isn't that impressive. Like, let's be honest, there's a whole lot of people with Q clearance. My mom was even talking to me that she used to have Q clearance. Like anybody who works at Los Alamos who has to go into a specific section can get Q clearance as long as they've been thoroughly vetted and had a background check, right? So this isn't like they don't store information about pedophiles in like the Q. Yeah, there's a, here's a database of all the government pedophiles just, you know, conveniently put there so that anybody with Q clearance can go and see it. And that's just not realistic. Of course. Yeah. And I think the funniest thing about this all too is, I mean, in addition to just so many levels of disbelief is kind of the hypocrisy of the entire theory. Like first and foremost, I think trusting Q himself, it's such a funny thing. I mean, I'm guessing that most of the people who kind of believe in this theory are more pro-military than anti-military. So wouldn't necessarily be like against someone having Q clearance per se, but it's just funny that the entire theory is about like taking down the elite in entirety when, you know, the person they're relying on is supposedly this super elite member of the military. There are just like so many discrepancies in there. And I think that one of the most interesting things about the theory and what's made it stick is this kind of the era that we live in. You know, we live in a time in which the internet exists, social media exists and news spreads not only like wildfire, but it also spreads the same things kind of repeated over and over again within these echo chambers. When we're talking about QAnon, I mean, we don't have to defend it. Like we don't have to even talk about how absurd it is either. Because I'm pretty sure every person that's listening can make their own opinion. But what's really interesting, yeah, is kind of how these things happen. There's this massive shift in the last uh, probably 30 years towards this, this really strange kind of mindset where nobody really trusts, or at the very least, there's a whole lot of suspicion towards the media and you know there's like whole books written by it you know my personal idol and hero noam chomsky you know has written yeah noam chomsky i love noam chomsky he's the best mr anarchy i love him you know he talks about in his book um you know manufacturing consent about the ways that the media kind of works in conjunction with corporations and the powerful in order to kind of subtly undermine the American like individual's ability to understand or even know about what's actually going on, which causes a whole lot of mistrust. Exactly. And I think that's one of the things that's really interesting, you know, like kind of thinking back to the 1906 election where Trump is saying there's the fake news, but they're fake because they are putting forward this liberal agenda and stuff. I say like that's entirely false. Honestly, most people who I talk to who have pretty similar political values as I do, which tend to be pretty, pretty far to the left, most of us like don't trust the main media either. No one really trusts the main media. And I think that's one of the things that's so interesting now is that we used to live in a time in which you kind of had to look for a source, right? You, you had a newspaper you trusted, right? It might come to your house every day. Now we live in a time where you open an app like Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or something, and your feed is flooded with different news sites and different sources and different people's opinions. I mean, essentially, like everybody has kind of now, in some sense, become the news. And there are so many levels in which things can be filtered and stuff. And that's why, yeah, it's really interesting kind of thinking about 
manufacturing consent when the mass media has such a large hold over such a big portion of the population still it's also funny to kind of see this black and white divide that doesn't really exist people are a lot of the times kind of more one foot in the door and one foot out manufacturing consent wasn't even written when the internet was a thing like it was written in the late 80s so if it held true before we had absurd amounts of media being pushed at us at all times it is even more true now think about what's going on facebook is on trial for a vast amount of false advertisement targeted ads that are pushing really really wrong agendas towards people screening out stuff from their searches you know if you take two different people from two different parts of america and have them type the same thing they will get different research results and that's kind of scary because nobody really thinks about that but the the fact is that there is more control over what we see and think than ever which is a huge contributor to these conspiracy theorists that are saying yeah you only see what they want you to see. So obviously you're not seeing the truth. You're not seeing the truth because yeah. of the corporations, the government, the powerful. They don't want you to see it. And that's a really easy argument to make. I feel like everyone feels like they have such an objective view on the world. And that's one of the things that I feel like I'm pretty grateful to understand that at least I know that I don't know everything. But, you know, a lot of people reading the news and stuff, read a headline they agree with, don't read past the headline or like, yes, this is what's happening, retweet. 10 more people see it, you know, maybe a couple of them like and retweet it. You know, and the cycle continues on like that. And it's weird that people have such kind of power over what's spread now, but we also just kind of have such a lack of good sources. And I think something like manufactured consent, where during the time in which it was created, and you know, still today definitely applies very, very heavily to major media outlets and stuff like NBC, CNN, ABC, and such like that. You know, it also really applies to these echo chambers like we're seeing on social media and and these small groups that are kind of very convinced of certain things don't really have any outside information coming in to contradict that. That's how stuff like I think QAnon gets really popular and people get really caught up in these ideas. There's a really interesting argument to be made about how society uses knowledge, how society uses truth, how society uses facts, you know, because nowadays, especially nowadays, facts and truth are being politicized by both sides in order to like gain a like a one up because we we live in a society where the Eurocentric dogma of science is very truth and objectivity centered. Right. So if you want to make a point, you need to have facts, you need to have figures. You know, I mean, I guess Trump has kind of bucked that a little bit, but even he is like, you know, his war against it in this post truth age has gone to show how much truth can be politicized. You can have a fact or a statistic and have both people argue on both sides what that even means. Exactly. Yeah. And statistics, I mean, can be framed. And a lot of, you know, especially when it's on the news and we're talking about stuff like this, framing is such an important context. I feel like in social media now, given, and I'm especially guilty of this too, you know, let's say you're scrolling through your timeline, whatever, you know, news source you're on or website, you will 
occasionally click through articles if something seems particularly interesting, but most of the time I feel like I just read the headline and it kind of reinforces, you know, the idea I already have in my head. Right. And I think a lot of the time, like you went on this kind of sparks and it's really, it's really interesting. I think how something like the internet, which was supposed to kind of bring people together in the end, forced people to kind of form these small kind of secluded groups. I mean, what, what should we do? I like, honestly, I haven't even, I don't even know because you know, we have, we have this world where what is true and what is right, you know, is up for such debate. And even when what's true is decided, what that truth even means and how it's used for what, uh, for whose gain, right. it's really up for grabs. So when you are talking about how to moderate and how to regulate stuff like QAnon or other conspiracy theorists, theories, the question is, where do we draw the line? Like, at what point do we say, well... Yeah, okay, so Facebook sent 3 million people an ad for a website that is posting yellow journalism, and it's just completely untrue. They're just making wildly inaccurate claims, right? Can we say, well, you know what, Facebook, that's illegal. We're going to stop that, and we're also going to shut down this website that's you know pushing propaganda, whether from Russia or China or wherever the propaganda is coming from, even within our border. What do we do? Where where does where does that lie? Right, where's the line? And that's something that's so interesting. I mean, we've talked a lot about like just objectivity in general. And while I really truly do believe that there is something out there that does happen, you know, kind of beyond human perception, whatever is happening at a atomic level, there's something occurring and that is kind of what is happening. I think that is you know, whether it's something that's measured in small scientific units or something that is happening at a world event, there is objectively, I believe, something that is kind of going on. I think the issue is, like, as you're saying, with individual humans, you know, and our own mindset. And getting towards that level of objectivity and truth and fact is, I think, what we as humans kind of strive for. But so much of the time, it's so difficult. And you know, especially when it's a theory that kind of is aimed at the people who are supposedly controlling what the truth is, it's hard to kind of disregard other elements of it and say, this, you know, this is the truth. Because of course the mass media is going to say no. You know, it's like, it's, it's one of those things that just has a circular logic and is nearly impossible to disprove. Science being something objective is something that was pushed on science during the time of like logical positivism and the like 17th, 18th century movements in in science, it's very Eurocentric. They're saying that this is the way to make sense of the world and any other way is wrong. You know, it's a way of pushing out other modes of understanding the world. Is there being like one true way? Saying that even it is possible to know what the one true thing is, is a very Eurocentric thing. But at the same time, it's very easy to just say, well, there has to be something and there has to be some way of knowing it. But regardless of, you know, what the actual truth is, how do we approach things that we either disagree with or are, we are certain that it's wrong? There's so much problem with the way that truth and science is being used now. Like science used to be this impartial thing as to the facts. This is a fact. This is a thing. We've studied it. We agree. And I think it's really interesting, too, because kind of going back to like saying, well, 
Like, are these Facebook ads liable for spreading distrust or not? I think it's not necessarily possible to say they are because like you're saying, this search for truth is something that is out there. I don't think it's attainable by humans, you know? I don't think humans will ever like inherently be able to grasp that kind of level of truth because like as much as we all would like to pretend that, you know, we are right most of the time and we know what we're talking about and we're sure, like the universe is absolutely freaking gigantic beyond our comprehension. And so is this world. Even on this earth, we don't know like what the hell is going on. I think it's like naive to say, you know, like, oh, this is, this isn't, you know, like we are very small creatures with a kind of very small grasp at the world. And I think while our kind of tools for objectivity, air quotes there, kind of can be useful, so much of kind of the human experience is based in this reform, emotional decision-making. And that's where our opinions lie and where our values lie and stuff like that. And that's where stuff like QAnon stems from. You know, it stems from people's fears, from their worries about their country, from their political values and stuff like that. So it's not really easy to slap objective truth, hard hammer on that because it just doesn't exist. And it's like really, really difficult because for all we know, QAnon could be entirely right. It could. I want to give it full credit there. Totally could be right. But at the same time, Occam's razor also applies. It makes very little sense that it would, but it's also just like impossible to disprove. You know, there's a whole lot of stuff that can happen in the next, you know, especially with the election coming up. I think that one of the most important things that we have to decide as a society is how we're going to approach this stuff, regardless of the fact that nothing is knowable and it is impossible to fully validate or disprove, at least from our current place in the universe as regular old people. It's impossible to like fully disprove or prove anything, especially with the whole that's just what they want you to know argument, which is impossible to ever argue around. What do we what do we do about this? Because I think that it's a very slippery slope between saying there's something tangibly bad with these conspiracy theorists that are clearly helping the right wing, that are conceivably being aided and abetted by powerful political supporters, that are corrupting people's minds and shutting it down. Is that is that something that we can do? Is that right? Is that wrong? I feel like it intuitively it feels wrong. You know, partially because America should never be a place where you're shut down for having a dissenting opinion, especially in the one in a million chance that QAnon was right, then gosh, we would feel like such idiots. Not even one in a million. I'm not even going to give it that much credit. It's ridiculous. But I'm just saying that for reasons like if you have something that is actually valid, like there's a very small line between silencing people because they're wrong and silencing people because we think that they're wrong because the culture has decided that they're wrong and even further silencing someone because we want to right where because we can't draw the line that's the thing with there's there's not this definition of knowing there's no way of putting like a line on it there's if the government shuts down q and on a that's just going to martyr them b it's going to set a precedent where the government can shut people down for you know saying something that's attacking them. And that's dangerous. I believe one of the most important, beautiful things about this country is free speech. That's one of the biggest debates kind of to what level is free speech tolerable. 
And I feel like, you know, while free speech should be tolerable, I also feel like we need to be able to determine what is kind of going on, you know, like what, like, is the speech having harm? Is it not? What's it doing? And I think that that also kind of inherently is a really difficult thing to moderate too. While something like QAnon, I think inherently if it just stayed on 4chan as this small conspiracy theory, it would have been fine. But once we have millions and millions of people buying in and it starts to affect public opinion, and then I think the worst is having politicians stepping in, like with Donald Trump, like throwing a cue in the middle of a meeting, like just to rally support. Like that, I think, is fear-mongering and in and of itself kind of a manipulation of the media. And, you know, just unacceptable. Because I think while everyone is kind of entitled to understand things, and while we strive for an objectivity towards truth, I think personal freedom is also in some sense really important as well. I'd love to hear from any listeners about what they think about this issue. Should we be shutting down these Facebook profiles that are spreading QAnon? Should we be prosecuting Facebook for giving out ads that are, you know, incorrect as far as we know? Do you think so? Because I, I, I really can't make up my mind. On one hand, we live in a new age, right? So we always need to be changing and altering and updating our laws to reflect that. It is a very slippery slope from allowing this to happen to having the ability to do astroturfing with AI and just vast manipulation of information, spreading it out into the, the general populace, confusing people. It's a slippery slope in both directions. We're treading a line here, and I really don't know exactly what we're going to do about it. I think that it is a very grave, grave situation, you know, and we're at a choosing point where we can restrict it and potentially give the government unrivaled power to shut down people versus giving anybody the right to say anything that they want and potentially use it for uh, pushing another political agenda. We have to hold people accountable to what they say. I don't think it's a black and white issue, total shutdown or total acceptance of absolutely everything. Because I think right now we have a very, very small line drawn. And while I would like to see more of a level of not even necessarily censorship, but I think like right now on Facebook, we have also seen, you know, they're starting to put labels on political statements and stuff like that. And I think just even a base level of fact checking is a pretty reasonable level of responsibility. So I've had a lot of fun talking about the different ways in which the media has impacted things, echo chambers have formed, and you know, the internet has really pushed forward a lot of very strong, very collectively minded agendas that may not have been possible before. It's certainly been interesting. We have, as a society, as a culture, we have a very difficult couple years coming up. There's kind of just been a whole lot of stuff going on. We'd love to hear from you guys about any thoughts, any improvements that you'd give us, anything at all. Hit us up at our Instagram, our Twitter, or our email, that Thousand Steps podcast. And thank you so much for listening. I hope to see you guys in another episode.